the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpina Search, Europe's premier talent search firm dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high-impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. I'm delighted to welcome uh, Carton Rist, founding partner at uh, Concentric Partners, to uh, today's show. Carton has spent the last 18 years focusing on technology startups and scale-ups as a founder, advisor, board member and investor, and has been involved in over 50 transactions, having founded or co-founded two successful VC funds and a merchant bank. So, uh, Carton, a very warm welcome. Thank you uh, very much for, for having me here. So, to kick things off, Carton, one of your big enterprise software success stories from a while back, from your time at DN Capital, was Endeka. What was the background to your investment in Endeka, and how did you help them to scale internationally? As you mentioned, this was one of my when I started out in venture capital with DN Capital, and I worked with two very talented uh, venture capitalists called Nenad Maravac and Steve Schlenker, the two, the two founders, co-founders of DN Capital. The Endeka was, was sourced via the, the Boston network, or the, the, to be more, more particular, the, the, the Harvard Business School network, where Steve Parper was a young, ambitious, very bright uh, entrepreneur who had had some early successful involvement in some of the other tech community companies in Boston, but had started Endeka. And he also had Bessemer Trust, one of the oldest venture capital funds in the world, and led by Felder Hardiman, who was spends half his time at Bessemer and half his time at, at Harvard. So it was it was sourced via that network, and it was mostly due to Steve Schlenker and the development or the, the relationship he built up with, with Steve Harbour. Steve Harbour was quite a probably ambitious, visionary, both from what he wanted to build and the global approach he took from the start. And the U.S. is a huge market in itself. So taking that global approach from day one, even in the U.S., is quite rare. So he then built up this relationship with DN and DN built a relationship with him. And it was all from day one, DN was involved. I remember working on this deal when there were almost just a PowerPoint with some early traction, but really early stage. And um, the reason why he wanted a London-based or a European-based venture firm was that he saw the value of having local networks, having the ability to recruit local talent, proximity to local customers and doing business development locally, and the development of the go-to-market strategies that he had to build in order for Endeka to become a global company and for Endeka to be a successful global company. So all of those aspects he addressed very early and DN was very instrumental in terms of building those relationships and providing that network. I remember early on, we were facilitating business development calls and uh, meetings with some of the FTSE 100 companies and some companies on the continent where we had good connections and a good networks. So that, that was very instrumental. And uh, he, he developed an, an international footprint at, the, at a very, very early stage. And as a young, personally, as a young venture capitalist, that was, I, was, I was like 
wet behind my ears and I was learning my trade, this basically very much formed my view and and also approach to venture capital, learning from some highly talented colleagues, uh, mentors, Steve Slenker and Ed Marowitz, was great. And working with a super successful entrepreneur like Steve Harper was also great. And obviously, those tools and, and that approach I brought with me uh, further on in, in, in my career. And also, maybe the history tells us that the company went on a, on a fantastic journey and, and uh, he ended up with, a, with an exit to, to Oracle in, in 2011 and north of $1 billion. So it's a, overall a success story. You mentioned uh, the benefits in terms of go-to-market strategy business development, introductions to FTSE 100 companies for a, for a firm based out of the States. Those are activities that you might expect a senior head of biz dev or a strategic sales person, maybe at VP level, to undertake. So what do you see as the advantages of, of bringing in a, a local VC to help with those activities rather than bringing in a a senior sales or biz dev person? I think there is a gap or a period where you need to get a footprint and you need to get an understanding. And speaking from in this respect, BN being well positioned in London, having a good local network and the contacts in the local network, we could test this. We could line up a number of contacts and, and meetings where uh, there were some propositions that were tested in the market. And obviously, later on, there were very capable and, and highly successful salespeople brought on board. But in, in that sort of period, when it was like a testing period, then I think we, we as in the end, we played a, an instrumental role, role there. And um, that also helped the company forming their, their go-to-market strategy, should they sell via um, a direct sales force or should they go with, with partnerships or should they white label and, and uh, I think they, they did well in, in that respect in, in terms of having someone who tested the, the waters for them. Let's switch to your current portfolio. What are some of the biggest challenges that your current portfolio companies, for example, uh, Voss, which we talked about in a previous uh, conversation, have had in, in scaling globally and how have they overcome those challenges? Voss, uh, just to clarify, is not part of the concentric portfolio, but it's very much part of, of my own portfolio. So this is an investment I made over the back in 2005. For those of you who are good at maths, it's 12 years. So it's a long time to hold a, a venture investment. They started off in Reading, and with a, but had now moved the headquarters to Texas in the U.S. What they do is it's basically enterprise software for unified communications or, or collaboration. And um, the, the early traction or the early bets they took was that the growth of IP-based telephony and communication would drive their, the need for their software and their tools. They've been super successful in terms of selling into who's who of global service providers, basically the, the big mobile operators, the big managed hosting suppliers around the world. They all say, great solution. They provide great feedback. 
very technical solution and people in Voss is technically very savvy. Combined with a great CEO, Mike Frame, who has a long track record of, of building software companies, for all of us, it's taken time. It's, uh, the adoption curve has not been as, as steep as expected. Some of the, the challenges that's caused that is for the company, the company is not growing fast enough. It's, it's growing, but not growing fast enough. And it's, it's somewhat waiting for the market to evolve, to become IP-based. So the, the whole market uh, or, or customers, they, they need to deploy this in, a, in an IP-based environment. They sell and the sale is taking place, but they only get paid when it's switched on, i.e. each seat is adopting this. And that has been the challenge. So selling into these 100-plus service providers, great, tick the box. But deploying it internally, switching it on, has been a huge challenge. And give some examples is that AT&T, the huge American operator, they are a customer, but the hurdle of getting them to deploy it has been cumbersome process. And it's simple down to human factors such as if they deploy the Voss solution software, then they have to lay off people. AT&T have a lot, strong labor union and they don't want to lay off people. So hence, they are not deploying something that's going to make them more efficient, uh, more customer friendly, etc. Another thing is that quite early on, they, they Voss were closely aligned with Cisco, even used some of the Cisco labs in Reading to refine the product. And that was the only route to market for a number of years. So high degree of warning there. Don't only stick to one route to market because you become vulnerable. Even though it was a relatively successful route to market, it was dictated by Cisco. One of the other, the other aspects they, or challenges they found is that because this is a highly technical and very sophisticated product, selling it. And getting the customers to basically deploy it had proven difficult. And probably some of that is down to the people who were, were having that direct customer relationship. So those were, were some of the challenges. They are working on these. They have been working on these and they're well aware of them. And they are overcoming some of them over time. It has helped that the investors and shareholders of, of us have been been very, very patient. And, and you may say they've been very good investors because they have, they've supported the business and the CEO uh, along the way. Now they have deployed multiple sort of sales channels. They are selling by, uh, by partnerships now. They've also um, opened up a route via, via Microsoft. So Skype for Business now is, is basically a, some of the underlying technology there is, is also from Boss. And Cisco will remain an important route to market. And they're constantly evolving and exploring new routes to market through larger companies such as Cisco and, and Microsoft. Maybe the last thing to mention there is that they are selling on return on investment. So they have become and continue to show the improved return on investment from deploying this. And uh, this is something that is, is bearing fruit. And uh, this combined with the fact that this is a pretty hot market today, 
and uh, this has been exemplified by Cisco buying Broadsoft a couple of weeks back by a good amount of, of money. It means that there's focus on this area, and uh, I think they are on the right track. But it has been a been a long journey. They have had many tasks and challenges to fight, and I mean, we remain optimistic. Talk me through your most recent investment, and how did you come across that particular? company and why did you decide to invest in them? The most recent announced investment is a, is a company called Hypership. Hypership is, in broad terms, it's logistic software. More specifically, it is order management software. They operate in an industry that is very antiquated. They have been very slow in terms of adopting technology, the logistics sector. And what we liked about Hypership was that they were solving a real problem. They were showing real impact and they had a product that was finalized and they had a product that proven to be good. The other thing is that we found them, we found them through a small seed fund. They were not really part of the the circuit, if you want. They're based on an industrial estate in Oxfordshire. And uh, we had established a good dialogue with them from the first meeting. And, and we ended up investing, uh, announced a, a few weeks back. They go in and sell to large retailers or carriers, even postal operators. And uh, these are long sales cycles with large uh, tickets. And when you are on board, it's typically very sticky. And they are, have built up a pipeline of potential customers that is very appealing. And uh, so we are, we are helping them forming the company in order to take advantage of that opportunity that is in the marketplace. Mixing a product that is needed and is, is good with a market that is asking for this. There's a global interest in this so they we also need to manage their sort of the growth and the the sort of exuberance they're showing in terms of wanting to go to multiple markets at the same time they, they are small companies so we got to be aware and we got to be comfortable with the, the, the resources that is in in the company in order for them to be able to address multiple accounts in multiple countries and by that, there are challenges. There are early stage. There will be issues regarding scaling. There'll be issues regarding recruiting personnel, both from working within the company and working as a, in an advisory capacity. In terms of partnerships and go-to-market strategy, working on that, that has not been refined yet. We need people who can augment the, the, the highly talented CEO they have because he has been filling too many roles. and, and uh, So th- this is classic venture, where there's no rocket science involved here, but it's just hard work working with the company in order to take them to the, to the next level. It's showing good so far. You mentioned talent, but you also mentioned advisors just a few moments ago. How important, yeah. in your opinion, is it for uh, startups and scale-ups to have strong advisory boards that can help the senior executive team um, navigate the, uh, the challenges of, of, of growth and scaling? We have the opinion that we are 
facilitating help and we are facilitating and coming up with solutions for our portfolio company, including Hypership. We cannot provide that cutting edge specific knowledge that some of these companies are required. So that means on uh, going international or go to market, we will be bringing in people who are experts in B2B sales in this sector. We will be bringing in people who understand how to white label, how to partner, how, how to, to negotiate partnerships with some of the leading IT firms in the world. And by that, we mean that we are augmenting the, the CEO and his skills and create a working environment with these different pieces and, and people can work together. How important is it? I mean, it's invaluable. We have it as a fund. Most of our companies have it as a portfolio company. And having the opportunity to ask and use a experienced person who has done it before and maybe made, made a mistakes before is invaluable. We are nurturing and developing our network every day in order for passing these skilled people onto our portfolio company, because at the end of the day, that they are the ones who, who will need it, and they are the ones who will uh, require these, these skilled people in order to grow and succeed. Interesting. Okay. Success. Ultimately, you're looking for one or two huge exits, but beyond that long-term aim, how do you define success for your portfolio companies? We have done 10 investments in this, uh, in this fund. We will do another five next year. That is the, the composition of the, of the full fund. At the moment, we, we don't have any sort of red flags. We hope that we can get through this fund without having to write off companies. That'll be a success factor, but that rarely happens. So we typically invest fundamentally in our approach. So we invest into companies that will become companies that can address segment of the market and build a good viable business. So between the lines, we are not going to be the rock star investors who's going to be the backers, take the big chance and be the backers of 5 billion euro company, because that is not our approach. We are fundamental. We are analytical in, in our approach. Having said that, there are a couple of companies in our, in our portfolio that could become really good and valuable companies, but they have products that are addressing market needs today, and they are benefiting from a market that is large. But there are competitors for them out there. So we, we just got to be better and smarter than the competitors out there. What would you like to see change in the European venture capital and startup ecosystem? I think we are seeing some positive developments in Europe to address that first. I think the mentality towards venture capital and technology is changing. Technology is just becoming a, an integral part of any business. Everyone is working on a digital aspect or a technical aspect or software improvement to, to the business. It's just an integral part. We're starting to see these uh, serial entrepreneurs, sometimes third-time entrepreneurs. And this is obviously delivering results 
because they have done it, they have experienced it, and they are most likely going to do it again. And they carry with them a new herd of people that will learn from these guys. We also start seeing from successful companies in Europe that some of the alumni from these, these companies are becoming good entrepreneurs themselves. And they have had a le- good learning ground and they are taking those learnings with them in, into uh, starting new companies, addressing new aspects of, of technology. I think also the investors in Europe are becoming more skilled. I think that goes hand in hand with the fact that the venture capital profession is in Europe is becoming more skilled and more professional. There's money flowing into the venture capital uh, industry, uh, both from, from outside of, of Europe, but also we're seeing movements now with pension funds and endowments and, and family offices. They are allocating more, more capital to the venture space. Not enough, but this is a process. And we, particularly in the UK now, we see a lot of these movements where the state is being deeper involved and they are setting up multiple pockets of, of new funding opportunities or, or funds that are addressing these aspects. But what are some of the negatives? Hard for an entrepreneur to raise money. And it's particularly hard if he is in the, in the, in the, the era before he has proven himself and, and uh, have some scalable metrics to show. So the space we, we address, the sort of late seed, early Series A, a heap of, of, of companies. And there's a pipeline of companies that are, are fundable, but they will not be funded. And um, that is because of the lack of capital and is also because we, 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 we operate in a, in a more sort of heterogeneous environment than in the US and coupled with sort of misbalance of, of capital available, then, then a number of these companies will, will, will not be funded. But it is improving. I think we're on the right track. I see positive aspects and I see a positive development across Europe. And um, it is on the agenda. It will be on the agenda for the next decades. And um, so people involved in the, in, in the industry will have a good future ahead, I, I think. So you see things improving, but you believe that there are companies in Europe that should get funded, won't get funded, but if they'd been presenting the same sorts of ideas in the States, if they were located in the States, then because the uh, the, the availability of capital is uh, much better in the States, then, then they would have got funded there. Yeah, give you an indication from outside. So, so we, we see a couple of thousand deals a year. The first cut is normally quite easy. We cut off 90%. The remaining 10%, these are, these are companies that, that are good companies and they, they're all fundable. And it's, it's really hard for us to, because we have limited bandwidth, to cut these companies further down. So let's say it's a two, couple of hundred companies and you need to cut it down to 30, 40 that we do real work on. And it's hard. And it's a constant sort of no to entrepreneurs, talented entrepreneurs. And sometimes we get it wrong. But we have to do that work because it's, uh, it's our job. That sort of group of, of companies, they, they will either be funded somewhere else or, or, or they won't get funded. And that is a shame. To compare it with the US, is, this is an industry that has, is probably a couple of generations older in the US. The endowments, the pension funds, uh, the family offices, they've invested in, in venture capital in, in the US since, since the 40s or 50s. 
and uh, they built up an ecosystem that we don't have, but we can create. And that also means that there's more capital available. And then the more companies get funded in, in, in the US. And that's why we have all these all these success stories coming out of, of the US. And we are bound to get them in, in, in Europe. And some of them are, are emerging already. So rather than saying that we should send our companies over to the US, so we should make sure that there is addressed in, in Europe and, and we, we have the available funding for these hugely talented entrepreneurs who who are, some of them are probably not, some are not very good at fundraising and, and they want to build companies, but fundraising is not their core skill. So, so, so these are sometimes uh, being neglected or overlooked. So yeah, we have some issues, but we are, I think we're addressing addressing the issue. So overall, a, a, a very bright future for VC in, in Europe. That's, uh, that's good to hear. Now, you've been in the world of uh, venture capital in Europe for nearly two decades. So you're one of, one of the, the more established VCs in this part of the world. And um, I guess that takes up a hell of a lot of your... Uh, a lot of your bandwidth, but uh, if you were not a VC, if you were to follow one of your other passions or one of your other skill sets, what do you think you you might be or might like to become if you were were uh, no longer in VC? My honest opinion there, I, I would have loved to be a, a football player, but I guess I was never good enough, or I was uh, now uh, age is uh, is probably against me. So, but. Um, I'll be working in, in sport. I'm a sports fanatic and, and sport is uh, something that is, is very close to my heart. Uh, travel to a number of events, uh, football, Olympics, uh, rugby, skiing, uh, you, you name it. So I, I follow sport uh, and I'm a, I'm a fanatic and, and I, I would have worked some, with something within sport. It gives some of the same thrill as it does in, in, in venture capital. And um, you are, I think, you got to work with something that you're passionate about. And uh, when you get up in the morning, you are looking forward to going into work rather than trying to, to avoid going into work. So, so sport is something that's close to my heart. Exactly. Okay. Well, that point on passion is very relevant here. So if there's a, a budding entrepreneur who wants to pitch concentric partners for investment, if you can put together something that. Uh, Combine sport or maybe sports technology with really strong routes to market and demonstrate a superb return on investment, then you're definitely going to grab Carton's attention with that combination of uh, combination of ideas. Yes, but sport is hard nut to crack. And um, what area of sport do you want to get involved in? So the people who own the rights. They are always the ones that are, are benefiting from, from this today. Let's stick to football. Football is, is a sport. The top clubs are, are doing well because of, of the, the in global interest. When you get further down in the system, it's hard. It's hard for them to survive and it's hard for them to, to make, a, make a, a living out of, of running a football club. So, so it's, you, you are relying on sponsorships and local benefactor who can actually run this. So it, it, it is hard. My, my brother is a, is, a, is a director of a football club. Uh, he finds it, finds it really hard. And also, the different people who are coming to me with sports propositions, they are either far-fetched or 
they haven't found a way of monetizing their really interesting activities they're doing. There are certain aspects and there are certain areas you can you can combine sport with, with business, but it, it is a hard sector. So uh, I, I'm very impressed with people who actually manage to to succeed in that in that area. Interesting. Okay, well, I've got to play the sports card with you somehow, so I have to add you to my guest list for uh, Wimbledon next year for my uh, hospitality event. Carlton, it's been great chatting to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. A real bundle of uh, invaluable insights there for uh, any uh, budding uh, entrepreneurs. And um, I wish you and the team at Concentric Partners every success. Thank you very much, Gary. It's been a pleasure. This episode of the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high-impact senior talent.